Hey y'all, this is Corey Wren, proud abolitionist vegan from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. You can find me at examiner.com, writing as a Roanoke Vegan Examiner, and you are listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Cow cubicles, the vegan menace, rabbits do their bit, eating a rat. This episode, I'd like to mention a few different news stories. I have a short clip about a farmer angry with Paul McCartney promoting Meat Free Monday. This is a fun story about how farmers find vegans and vegetarians offensive. I've been trying to avoid covering it, but finally I'm going to mention New Zealand, quote, cow cubicles, which are being branded as a type of factory farming. Also, a local newspaper story, Rabbits Do Their Bit for Playground, about the noble act of shooting rabbits to sell for fundraising. And finally, getting in trouble for killing and eating a rat. How is this any different to how farm animals are treated? Before I begin... I'd like to mention an incident that happened where I live, the city of Invercargill. Sadly, this has become somewhat viral online, a new story of an Invercargill woman who flashed passing traffic and who ended up being hit by a car. Flashing means taking off your clothes in public. I can't believe the woman actually was filmed for a subsequent news story. She obviously is not a shy person. A few times in the news piece, She's shown pretending to flash cars. I guess she's not actually doing it again. And also, she pretends to flash a group of cows a few times. I think the whole story is, let's make fun of rural farming people from little old Invercargill. Forget texting and driving. The latest driver distraction in the Deep South is topless flashing. An Invercargill woman quite literally stopped the traffic recently after flashing her breasts at passing cars. As Dave Gooseling reports, it distracted one motorist so much, he crashed into her. Down on the farm, 18-year-old Sherelle Dudfield can do whatever she wants. But when she flashed her breasts on Invercargill's main street recently, she created a serious traffic hazard. After a night of drinking with her mates, Dudfield was dared to flash at passing cars. One motorist copped such an eyeful, he even crashed into her. I stood in the centre line, flashed a couple of cars, got back in and told me to do it again, so I did, and then I seen a car coming towards me on the middle of the centre lane driving up towards me, so I decided to run, and then I got hit. Thinking she'd suffered serious injuries, her friends took her to hospital. I didn't know where the blood was coming from, and didn't know if I could move. They were only cuts and bruises. Police had no sympathy. This was obviously an alcohol-involved uh, offence. Um, this girl put herself at risk with the actions that she undertook, um, not only herself but um, the, uh, the motorists on the road at the time. Dudfield says she's learned her lesson and has a message for others considering drunken dares. Don't be me, don't be stupid, don't get drunk and stand in the middle of the road and flash anyone because it hurts when you get hit. 
After fronting up at court for the incident, Dudfield was charged with disorderly behaviour and fined $275, a small price to pay for what could have been a much bigger boo-boo. Dave Gooselink, 3 News. Things like this make me embarrassed to say I'm from Invercargill. We often end up in the news for being seemingly backwards, or just a bunch of farmers. In the cow cubicle story coming up, an Invercargill farmer's mentioned is already using the controversial cubicle system, at least in a smaller role. And, not very far from Invercargill, is Edendale, population of under 600, which boasts the world's largest raw milk processing factory in the world. The main story in the last issue of our newspaper was about a young girl being trapped inside a tallow truck that had rolled over. Imagine coming across that, a truck carrying rendered fat from an abattoir on its side. Imagine the sight, imagine the smell. Both the driver and his daughter are okay now. I'm doing my part to rebrand Invercargill as being a great place for vegans. I'd love if everyone listening to this podcast would move here. I need the company. Stick to your music, Paul. I often talk to farmers online, asking them questions about what practices New Zealand farmers use, and talking about farming-related stories in the media. I like to know what New Zealand farmers actually do, as they are quite different to farmers elsewhere in the world. In some ways, New Zealand is probably what American welfare groups would like to see happen there. Our cows live out in green pastures, they're not shut up with hormones, they eat grass, and now, apparently, palm kernels. We don't really have factory farming on the same scale, and New Zealand is marketed as being a very organic country. I'm not satisfied, of course, since I campaign for animal rights, the right not to be used, period. I'm just pointing out, when New Zealand vegans use footage of American farm animals, it's often very different to what goes on here. Is it marginally better? Yeah, I guess so. It's 15 punches to the face, instead of 20. Is it acceptable to me? No, of course not. I don't want the animals being used or killed in the first place. So, I talk to farmers to learn all I can about what they actually do. A lot of them are quite defensive, and have been called all kinds of names, or called difficult, or unrealistic. I guess it's like talking to Eric Marcus. I try and act as polite and friendly as possible, no matter what they say towards me. I know that other people are reading what we say, and I hope those people will listen seriously to the vegan message I'm spreading, not how many swear words are furiously typed at me. I love it when farmers get upset about vegans. I really do. The idea that, with this massive threat, that we hate farmers and want to see them all homeless, selling their children into slavery to pay for bread, it's hilarious. I'm sure there must be some concentrated effort of farming groups to portray vegetarians, and especially vegans, as fanatical nutjobs. When I talk to farmers online, I remind them that we are a tiny percentage of the population and have nothing against farmers. What we have a problem with is how animals are killed for a farmer's profit. We have no problem with farmers who grow vegetables. We campaign for animals. I've listened to American agricultural podcasts before. Some of them are hilarious. Most seem to be sponsored by Monsanto, which is possibly the most evil company in the world. At the same time, 
they throw out all these accusations about vegetarians and vegans, about how we hate hard-working farmers who are just trying to feed the country, while at the same time, we ourselves live off welfare and never help anyone. Here's a fun clip. The US-born Meatless Monday campaign has caused a stir overseas now that it's gone global in its effort to reduce meat consumption as a way to improve health and reverse climate change. Hello everyone, I'm Cindy Young with Brownfield. Meatless Monday's spokesman in the UK is Sir Paul McCartney. In a letter to the former Beatle, National Farmers Union Scotland President Jim McLaren said that the campaign is a general prejudice against meat consumption. McCartney responded that he's not against farmers, but says they need to adapt in Europe and around the world to avoid a global crisis. The bottom line is this, friends. Paul McCartney is and has been for a very long time a vegetarian. The People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, website has pages dedicated to statements made by this man. Statements like, if anyone wants to save the planet, all they need to do is just stop eating meat. That's the single most important thing you could do. It's staggering when you think about it. Vegetarianism, says Paul McCartney, takes care of so many things in one shot. Ecology, famine, cruelty. The former beetle also said, We can't go on cramming creatures into battery cages, broiler sheds, turkey sheds, and so on. Where's the compassion? It's a real chicken with a face and a heart. When I see bacon, I see a pig. I see a little friend, and that's why I can't eat it. Simple as that. Finally, says Sir Paul, I love everything PETA does, especially the title. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I don't see how anyone could have a problem with that. Well, I have a problem with someone who doesn't eat meat trying to tell me that I cannot eat meat or raise livestock. Stick to your music, Paul, and stay out of my business. I'm Cindy Young with Brownfield, and that's my two cents. My dear friend B. Elliot left a comment on the website. It's not about eating meat. It's about killing innocent, sentient beings. If you wish to troll the interstate or country roads for morsels of traffic victims, that certainly is within your right. However, deliberately taking a life, especially when there are thousands of alternatives, just is not acceptable. When there is a choice, compassion should be the option. Go vegan. Of course I can't mention Paul McCartney promoting Meat Free Monday without playing a song he's written. I'm sure it'll feature on his next Greatest Hits album. Here we go. Hey, everybody, Meat Free Monday. We're Meat Free Monday. It's a fun day. Yeah, Meat Free Monday. It's happening around the world. It's Meat Free Monday. Yeah, it's a fun day. Surely you can do better than that. I sure can, Paul. I'd be promoting veganism. You know when we get accused of forcing our beliefs onto others, how exactly are we going to enforce that? I'd assume vegans make up less than 1% of the population of any given country. Will there be some sort of 
vegan army that goes about busting heads of non-vegans? Most vegans I know are quite non-violent. So, what's so scary about the vegan message? Are people afraid that if they don't stop eating animal byproducts, that all the vegans will go on hunger strikes? There's really no way of forcing someone else to be vegan, although I'm continuing the research on my vegan ray gun. Cow cubicles. I don't know what to make of this issue. Frankly, it sounds bizarre. I'll play some clips. The Greens are horrified at the prospect of giant European-style indoor dairy farms being established in the South Island High Country. Corporate dairy companies plan to house nearly 20,000 dairy cows undercover in the Mackenzie country. It's a radical move away from New Zealand's traditional outdoor pasture farming. Lachlan, how's the idea going down in the Mackenzie country? Well, Mike, the Mackenzie country is already undergoing radical change. Just over my left shoulder, you can see a patch of green where the irrigators have been at work. But this proposal to house thousands of cattle indoors is raising eyebrows in this once unproductive land. The Benmore Valley in the Mackenzie Basin supports about six to 7,000 cows. But a new proposal just over the hill would see three times as many cows packed into a third of the space. And that has farmers like Tony Gloge, whose family's worked this land for generations, worried. I'm sure if they're over a much wider area, uh, a lot of our fears would be proven to be groundless. It's the concentration on such a small area that uh, has, uh, has given us some concerns. Irrigation has transformed these lands from an arid brown expanse into lush green pastures. Now a corporate dairy consortium wants to bring in another 18,000 cows sheltering them from the extreme winters and scorching summers by housing them inside for eight months a year. Critics say it's a bovine battery farm. And when you look at the welfare implications of the animals in, in the United States, it's terrible. These animals really have a rough time. And is this what New Zealand wants to move to? You know, I don't think so. It's a kind of industrial factory farming, and it's completely at odds with what New Zealand pastoral farming is all about. But supporters say that's not the case. Well, I think in this case the common misconception is that they're um, tied, uh, constricted or restricted in their movement. These animals, they're absolutely not. They have cubicles, they can get up, move around uh, and come back to when they feel that that's the way they want to be. The proposal would produce the same amount of effluent as all the people in Otago and Southland combined and up to 1.7 million litres of diluted effluent gathered from beneath the sheds would be spread onto the land every day. It would be good to see uh, perhaps a small prototype used to assess the effects uh, before uh, a project on such a vast scale is uh, anticipated. A strange turnaround for land that just a few decades ago was only good for heracium, rocks and rabbits. Cowsheds aren't new, of course, they're commonplace throughout Europe, but they are new in New Zealand. Uh, our dairying image is one based on cows fed outside on grass. It's an easy rebuttal, of course, to any argument over food miles. And in fact, only a couple of months ago, federated farmers were singing the praises of our sustainable farming practices. Uh, it's our advantage over the Europeans and the Americans, and it's advantage, say critics, that we'll lose if this gets the go-ahead. Kia ora, good afternoon. The Green Party's warning that New Zealand's dairy farming reputation could be destroyed by plans for factory farms. Three consent applications were recently lodged with Environment Canterbury for factory-style dairy farms in the Mackenzie Basin. Brooke Sabin reports. It's scenes like this that give our dairy industry one of the best reputations in the world. It's depicted by farmers as a clean, green, sustainable industry. 
But the Green Party says these resource consents are anything but and amount to applications for factory dairy farms. Uh, it completely undermines the whole tourism image of the Tussock country and completely at odds with New Zealand's tourism branding overseas. Three applications have been lodged with Environment Canterbury to set up 16 new farms in the central South Island's Mackenzie Basin. Together they'd house nearly 18,000 cows in cubicle stables similar to this. It's like a big hall or a big barn um, where there are cubicles there that a cow can freely go into and lie down to. It's a bit like having a big barn with your own individual bed. The cows would be in the stables 24 hours a day for eight months of the year and 12 hours a day for the remaining four months. They want to apply 1.7 million litres of effluent a day onto land and this is in the headwaters of the Waitaki River leading into Lake Oho. Federated Farmers says it doesn't understand the fuss because green groups have asked them to house cows for years. Here in one case we've got um, green groups are saying that farmers should house animals and then on the next case uh, there's a different group saying that animals should not be housed. So we, we need a rational discussion around this process. 3 News has been trying to contact the directors of the three farms without success. But one of the directors has previously said that if this project goes ahead, it could benefit the region by up to $100 million a year. Brooke Sabin, 3 News. Opposition is mounting against plans by corporate dairy companies to house nearly 20,000 cows undercover in the Mackenzie country. The Prime Minister and Fonterra have this morning both come out against the move. But as Brooke Saban reports, the operator of a similar farm is defending the system. This is Abe DeWard's farm in Invercargill. They've been housing 500 cattle in the cubicle stables for four seasons and have seen great improvement. It has uh, increased our production, our production per hectare and our efficiency because we can milk these cows longer per year. Consent applications have been lodged for farms similar to this but on a much bigger scale. The three applicants are for nearly 18,000 cows which would be housed in cubicle stables 24 hours a day for eight months of the year. The plan has brought top level concern. I think the image implications for New Zealand are not good. And this morning Fonterra, who collects nearly 70 million litres of milk per day from farms, has also come out in opposition, saying the plans for the Mackenzie Basin could undermine its international reputation for free-range farming. It's perception more than anything else. The type of intensive feedlot, dual-based farming that's being proposed doesn't fit well with the perception of New Zealand's pasture-based free-range farming system. While concerned, the Prime Minister says there's little he can do to stop it. I was talking to the Minister of Agriculture about last night, you know, quite what uh, the capacity is of the government to stop that. I don't know, it's, I understand it's quite limited. The Minister of Agriculture, David Carter, wasn't available for comment this morning, but a spokeswoman says he has got reservations and has asked MAF for more information about what exactly these cubicle stables are. Brooke Sabin, 3 News. So, essentially in a very dry area of the country, farmers want to be raising large numbers of cows. All sorts of comments have been made about this. Oh, we don't want to be factory farming, it'll hurt New Zealand's image overseas. Or, some farmers have said that this system works in the rest of the world, and that surely we don't want to have our poor cows out in the cold and rain, when they could be kept in a lovely shed for most of a year. Cow cubicles. 
What an odd idea. Anyway, plenty of others have commented on the cow cubicle debacle. I'm tired of talking about it. A good article is on the My Face is on Fire blog, which I'll link to in my notes. Rabbits do their bit for playground. I'll read a story from the Southland Times. Cadrona Valley rabbits were caught on the hop as they were rounded up as the signature ingredient for coney casserole at the Cadrona Village Fair yesterday. Cadrona shooter Ray Anderson headed a family shooting team to get the rabbits for the fair. Together with his wife Mary and daughter Natasha, the Branch Creek Station run holder turned in about 100 animals for the traditional rabbit stew at the 4th annual fair. Mr Anderson is a crack shot. The shooting trip was done just one week after he competed against Australian skeet shooters as a member of the New Zealand veterans team in Christchurch. Miss Anderson said another competition in Invercargill meant her father was unable to attend the fair yesterday. Shooting the rabbits is just the start. I don't think people realise the amount of work that goes into preparing them for the pot. Skinning, gutting and soaking them in brine. That said, the demand for rabbit meat, with its similarity to chicken, was growing. We reckon there is a market for bunny burgers, she said. The fair held at the Cadrona Hotel had a steady stream of visitors checking the 25 stallholders' goods on display. Fair co-organiser Hill Stepper said proceeds from the event would be used to build a traditional children's playground at the nearby Cadrona Hall. Coney is the traditional British name for adult rabbits. On the newspaper's online page, the following comments were left. B. Elliot, Very disappointing. Wondering if your intent was to show yourselves as barbarians, or was this just accidental? And Chris Noaro, This is sick. Did you let future users of the playground watch as you shot, skinned, and gutted the rabbits? Is killing a rat illegal? I think this clip really speaks for itself. Two contestants on a British reality TV show will face charges of animal cruelty for killing and eating a rat. The bear had been ordered to appear in court in Australia where the show was filmed and could face up to three years in prison. ITV's Murray Drone reports. You put the pieces of rat into the oil, you seal it, then you put the uh, pre-soaked beans. It sounds like any other dish rustled up by a professional chef, but Gino De Campo's rat risotto could land him a jail term, along with his fellow contestant Stuart Manning. The pair caught, filleted and cooked a rat they found in the camp, then served it to the other celebrities, who seemed to rather enjoy it. But the Australian RSPCA did not, and soon after De Campo was crowned king of the jungle, he and Manning were arrested and charged with animal cruelty offences. They could go to prison for up to three years. Former I'm a Celebrity contestant Anthony Worrell-Thompson sympathises with his fellow chef. I would have done the same thing. I mean, they weren't to know it was a, a tame domestic rat, were they? There was a rat running around, they picked it up, they killed it as well as they could have, and they cooked it in a risotto. I mean, great. The Australian RSPCA believe the rat was killed for entertainment purposes and say that is unacceptable. Animal rights campaigners agree. This rat, rat suffered for no real reason other than television. 
to keep the program interesting and it's turned backside up because it's not interesting, it's just upsetting. This is a show that builds a reputation on forcing celebrities to eat live bush tucker. The difference between that and catching and cooking a rat is now for the Australian courts to decide. When you kill a rat, how is it any different than when you kill a rabbit? In New Zealand, it seems we kill rabbits all the time, purely for entertainment. Oh, you say, but rats are classified as a pest. To which I'd say, so are rabbits. The RSPCA, this is the same worldwide group that promotes happy meat under the label of Freedom Food. Going to the Australian RSPCA site, rspca.com.au, I saw no mention of veganism, but of course they promote animal products, with names such as Shop Humane, RSPCA Approved Farming, Choose Wisely, or by reminding you to look for the Good Egg Award. Would it really be so hard to say, veganism is the best way to respect animals' right to live, their right not to be property? I guess that doesn't make them as much money though. If it's okay to kill countless sheep, cows, chickens each year in Australia to eat, then why not a single rat? If being consistent makes you a fundamentalist, then I'm proud to call myself a vegan fundamentalist. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com If you want to contact me, even just to say you listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com jwontdart at gmail.com I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.